Hey, everybody. It is Tuesday, November 22nd, and you're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwinunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place where we bring you just the facts. And we read the news so you don't have to. And Jill, we should mention today is a special edition Mo News Double Pod Day. Uh, you will have today's edition as well as just later today, just after noon Eastern time, we'll have a new interview out uh, with two of the smartest thinkers in conservative politics, Jonah Goldberg and Sarah Isker of The Dispatch, talking all things future of GOP, especially in the aftermath of Trump's announcement and the red wave that wasn't. You know, Moshe, some people go into cruise control the week of Thanksgiving. <laughs> Not us. We just turn no. it up a notch. You get a twofer on Tuesday. You do. And they don't even know the number of people I've been pitching for extra interviews this week. And everyone's like, dude, it's the holidays. I'll see you after that. <laughs> Why are you even working? <laughs> Why are you emailing me? <laughs> uh, okay, let's get to some news. A huge shakeup in the entertainment industry. Bob Chapik is out and Bob Iger is back in at Disney. What a potential rail worker strike could mean in the middle of the holiday season. Iranian soccer players make a statement at the World Cup. NASA passes the next test to get humans back to the moon. And gobble gobble, a Thanksgiving tradition continues at the White House. Yeah, stay tuned for that. We have a story of a young Tad Lincoln convincing President Abraham Lincoln to save a turkey. I figured that you would just nerd out on the history of the of the turkey pardon. So I'm very excited, Mosh. But let's start with the story that rocked the business and media world this week. Bob Iger is returning as Disney's CEO after just a year of retirement. Bob Chapek, who replaced Iger back in 2020, is stepping down immediately. According to CNBC, Disney chose to rehire Bob Iger as chief executive after receiving internal complaints from senior leadership that Bob Chapek was not fit for the job. All had seemed to be going pretty well for Chapik until Disney's most recent earnings report, which was awful. There were big losses in streaming and lower than expected profits at the theme parks. Chapik tried to spin it as positive. Some board members and investors said he was delusional and had officially lost the room. CNBC's Jim Cramer was calling for him to be fired. And as the New York Times put it, the report and call set into motion events that culminated on Sunday in the firing of Mr. Chapek by the Disney board and the surprise reinstatement of his predecessor. It all happened quite quickly with Chapek and his allies blindsided by the board's decision. Most Disney shares shot up on Monday, so investors clearly liked the idea of Bob Iger back in charge. Yeah, and it wasn't just uh, shareholders. It was, I mean, literally, if you were on Twitter or Reddit, people were celebrating. I mean, the hardcore Disney fans out there celebrating the return of Iger. And keep in mind, Bob Iger, so there's two Bobs here, folks. There was Bob Iger, Bob Chapek. Now Bob Iger is back. Iger was in charge for 15 years, from 2005 to 2020, and really uh, modernized and built up Disney to the company we know it now today. Chapek then takes over just as COVID starts. Uh, so he gets handed that, right? The whole COVID situation. And then he gets handed all the, you know, where the highly situations where companies now have to take political stances post Black Lives Matter, post Me Too. So Chapek was heavily criticized for how he handled uh, Florida's so-called don't say gay legislation, you know, going back and forth between what uh, fans wanted, what employees wanted. And of course, you know, in, engaging in a fight with uh, the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis, on that. This was the legislation related to a ban on classroom discussion of sexual orientation until fourth grade. Uh, also, internally at Disney, Chapek didn't get along with the quote-unquote creatives. Uh, he wanted to move a bunch of employees from California to Florida, which didn't go over well. So there's a whole bunch uh, that took place here that led to this really, really 
quite a surprise decision on Sunday night. Okay, so what does this mean for the company? Some fans are hoping that Iger will reverse a pandemic change which required reservations at theme parks in addition to tickets. Also, there were some upcoming price hikes for Walt Disney World and Disney+. Plus. Uh, some are hoping those won't take effect. And the thinking among some investors is that Iger wouldn't have taken the job again if he didn't think that he could really make a difference and turn things around. Yeah, it's it's interesting. My wife, Alex, actually is a huge Kara Swisher fan, as are you, Jill, and found this conversation that Iger had with Kara Swisher, uh, the tech journalist, just a couple months ago, where she was like, what do you want to do next? And he's like, I'm enjoying retirement. I like sailing. I like being with my grandkids. I never mm. want to run a media company ever again, <laughs> which like, that was only a couple months ago. I posted that clip on Instagram. Clearly, he's been convinced to do this, by the way, for a short term situation. This is a two year deal right now. He's agreed to serve through the end of 2024. He will get $1 million a year, not that he really needs it based on all the uh, Disney stock, et cetera, that he has. But he's also headed a company, Jill, here, where I know the fans want him to, you know, lower, you know, not deal with the price hikes or the reservations at theme parks. But like, it's a new world post-COVID, post-inflation, et cetera. And the question is, is, is can Iger 2.0 live up to people's memories of 1.0? You know, Mosh, yesterday we were talking that we should do a Netflix series or write a book about the third floor in the White House and who lives in that apartment. That's where all the good stories happen. The failure of the succession plan here for Disney, I think, would make such a good, if not a series, at least a documentary. Totally. And and to talk succession, like literally the HBO show for a second, wasn't Tom Wams, Wamsgams, the uh, the head of the uh, theme park situation? Like Tom Wamsgams, if you watch uh, Succession season one and two, is sort of the Bob Chapek of the theme park situation in uh, Roy Industries or whatever. So there's definitely maybe some uh, fodder for the HBO series at some point. Switching gears, another story we want to get ahead of. A potential railroad strike is looking more likely after the nation's largest union rejected a tentative labor deal with freight railroads on Monday. So there are 12 rail unions. So far, eight have voted in favor of deals. Four have voted against. Everyone's going to remain on the job until early next month. But according to CNN, if even one of the dozen railroad unions were to go on strike, the other 11 would honor the picket lines, all but shutting down the railroads. Now, this couldn't come at a worse time. It's the start, well, it would probably be the middle of the holiday season. And the nation's supply chain is still struggling. It is still not where it was pre-pandemic. A rail traffic stoppage could freeze almost 30% of U.S. cargo shipments. It would make inflation worse. It would cost the American economy as much as $2 billion per day. Every sector would be impacted. Energy, agriculture, manufacturing, healthcare, and retail. You might remember, Jill, for those who are feeling deja vu here, the Biden administration actually helped avert this uh, strike back in September with last minute contract talks that led to a tentative contract deal. Now, that's the deal that all these unions are approving right now, or in some cases, not approving. So if this doesn't go through, the effects would be widespread, as you say it, major shortages of fuel, uh, food. Notably, Jill, if the four unions that rejected the deals are unable to reach new deals before strike deadlines, and as are expected in early December, Congress could order the railroad workers to remain on the job or return to work. Right now, Axios is reporting that sick leave is the main sticking point, not pay. Uh, this is something I learned, Jill, that there apparently are no paid sick days if you're a railroad employee right now. Unions are asking for 15 paid sick days, and the railroads settled on one personal day a year. So that is where the deal, yeah. 
like you read the deal and apparently they're getting a good raise and they're making up for back pay and some COVID stuff. But like, I can't think of a job out there where you don't get, you know, like especially a full-time job where you don't get paid sick days. And that is an issue right now. A big question mark in the days ahead is will the White House have to get involved here given uh, what a large impact this would have on the country again, especially ahead of the holidays. Jill, we have a lot more news to get to, but first I want to thank our sponsor this week. Our newest one is Bull and Branch, the sheet and bedding brand. If you follow me on Instagram, you might have seen the viral debate we had last month uh, on whether you should use top sheets or not. A recent story said that millennials and Gen Zers were kicking off the top sheet. Literally thousands of you messaged me about it, about all your sleeping habits and some really, really personal information. But, you know, listen, you guys trust me, so I appreciate that. Well, Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L and Branch, the brand, took notice and is so excited to be offering Mo News listeners an incredible deal, 25% off for a limited time with the promo code, well, what else? Mo News, M-O-N-E-W-S. My wife, Alex, and I recently got a set that included a whole variety. We have a lot of pillows on the bed. So all the pillowcases, duvet cover, uh, and yes, a top sheet. We are top sheeters. Uh, and they have been a game changer. They get softer with every wash. If you're looking for a gift, for a friend, a loved one, or frankly, yourself this holiday season, we do spend a third of our lives in bed. These sheets are a big deal. We, I highly recommend it. Bull and Branch is offering a special early Black Friday deal for all you listeners. You can get their best deal of the year, 25% off and free shipping when you use the promo code MONEWS at bullandbranch.com. That is Bull and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code MONEWS. Use it. You have until November 27th. Okay, time now for the speed read from CNN. Iran players remain silent during national anthem at World Cup in apparent protest at Iranian regime. Before a ball was even kicked in Iran's World Cup opener against England on Monday, Iran's players made a powerful statement. In what seemed to be a show of solidarity with those protesting back home, the players stood silent as the Iranian national anthem played out around uh, Khalifa International Stadium before kickoff Monday. The match ended in a 6-2 victory for England. Yeah, it's going to be tough for uh, Iran to proceed here. And by the way, notably, Jill, we were all able to watch the opening uh, ceremonies, if you will, in the national anthem. But guess who wasn't? Folks in Iran. Uh, Iranian television did not broadcast the fact that they stood silent uh, at the national anthem. So the Iranian squad, Jill, is known as Team Meli and is like, the uh, rabbit about soccer in Iran. One of the issues, though, as these protests have unfolded for the past two months, is that the anti-government protesters who are, you know, engaged in a revolution here against the regime have looked to the soccer team, the national team, for support, and they haven't gotten it so far. In fact, Iran's leaders have tried to keep the team's players from speaking out. Uh, they're trying to use sports as a distraction. They put up a whole bunch of billboards with them. By the way, some of those billboards have been lit on fire in recent days because what was really controversial this week is ahead of them flying, by the way, just across the Persian Gulf. It's a local game, if you will, for the Iranian team. They met with President Raisi, who's overseeing basically the crackdown on the country. They presented him with a jersey. A photo of one of the players bowing his head to Raisi went viral. It upset lots of people in the country who were saying, hey, there's all these other stars out there. There's all these celebs in this country that are taking it upon themselves to support the protesters and soccer team. Where have you guys been? Uh, there have been some former stars and some coaches uh, who aren't related to the national team who have been made statements. By the way, one of those coaches was taken in for questioning for an Instagram post and fined 20% of his salary 
We're saying the Iran team should support the protesters. And by the way, the U.S. is in the same group as Iran. Um, the U.S. tied its first game against Wales on Monday. That was 1-1 and faces England on Friday and I believe plays Iran uh, next Tuesday. Yes, yes. Uh, that, that should be an interesting matchup, certainly against the backdrop of all the political things that are going on right now. Okay, from the Wall Street Journal, households, retailers, and charities nationwide feeling the pinch of inflation are bracing for a humbug holiday season. U.S. consumers and businesses have trimmed spending plans for gifts, charitable contributions, and holiday events, data show. That will be especially painful for stores and nonprofits that tallied the, their largest share of sales and donations in November and December. People plan to buy an average of nine gifts this year compared with 16 last year, according to Deloitte Consulting's annual holiday shopping survey. People in the survey said they also plan to spend less time shopping than they did last year. Well, that's pretty significant, right? Nine gifts instead of 16. That's like seven less people in your life who might be getting gifts this year or, or second gifts. I don't know, Jill. I mean, are you... Uh... That feels extreme, no? <laughs> just get them less expensive gifts, right? You're just right. cutting people out entirely. That's almost like half of your guest <laughs> list, according to this Deloitte survey. We'll have to look further into the Deloitte survey, but that is literally half the people in your life will not be getting a gift that got a gift last year. So good luck. Good luck, folks, to all of you doing that. I have to say, I have randomly been to the shopping mall. There's the Roosevelt Field Shopping Mall where near where I live. I have not been there in years. And for some reason, I, I just officially need new clothes after baby number two. So I've been mm -hmm. going to the mall for whatever reason. You deserve it, Jill. You deserve it. It's packed. I cannot believe how many people are in there. I, you know, I thought, oh, I'm gonna. it's going to be kind of like a ghost town. Not at all. Yeah. Look at the, the mall in 2022, folks. Still a thing in Long Island. On Long Island. <laughs> Correction. Um, by the way, interestingly, I, some numbers that may explain what's going on here. The University of Michigan runs regular numbers on household sentiment and found that in the past six months, uh, the past six months are comparable to the same sentiment back in late 08, early 09, which was the height of the Great Recession. The index also echoes levels we saw in the 70s when inflation had climbed to double digits back in the day. And it does come as a Census Bureau survey of households back in October found that 95 million Americans, about four in 10 of us, uh, say they are having difficulty paying for essential household expenses compared with just about 29% last year. So that's a significant increase. And it does come as stores really have incredible amounts of inventory right now as Americans have all switched to travel services and restaurants as ways to spend money this year. So I would say early preview, Jill, if, we, if these economic trends are right, they're going to be some pretty good sales happening pretty soon. What is your sale threshold? Okay, for Black Friday, I will not buy anything unless it's at least 40%. That's my threshold. I feel like 40%, I even like a third off, but 40 feels right right now, given what you're <laughs> seeing, given how early people are playing. Uh, and I feel like if you go into the stores, you might get you might get better deals. You might, you know, like typically haggling is something you do in like the sooks of the Middle East. But like, I feel like we're there now here in the West. Okay, maybe I'll try it, Moshe. <laughs> let, let me know. I've been going go to the back mall to that almost mall. every day. <laughs> go back yeah. to the mall and be like, just like go like old school, go like Middle East on them. Be like $10, take it or leave it. <laughs> I will tell you the most disappointing part of my mall experience was that the food court is inexplicably gone. And so I used oh. to just do laps to get the samples of all of the food. And nope, no food court, no samples. No Sparrow, uh, no Panda Express. Quite disappointing. No, no Auntie Anne's. There is like an Auntie Anne's, but it oh, just wasn't totally. part of the it wasn't part of the food court. I just couldn't believe it. 
From NBC News, NASA capsule buzzes moon, last big step before lunar orbit. NASA's Orion capsule reached the moon Monday, whipping around the backside and passing within 80 miles on its way to a record-breaking lunar orbit. There are three test dummies on board. The close approach occurred as the crew capsule uh, was on the far side of the moon because of the half-hour communication blackout flight controllers in Houston didn't know if the critical engine firing went well until the capsule emerged from behind the moon. What a half an hour that must be, right? Pretty amazing. And by the way, the 80 miles caught my attention, Jill. I was like, what is, it, what is 80 miles away from each other? Um, about Philadelphia to New York is about 80 miles away. So just like for reference, that's how close the uh, capsule was to the moon. Uh, incidentally, and it's still I, kind of far, though. Right? I guess I mean, you're right. Relatively, it's like, close, but it's still but far. In space terms, Philly to New York is close, but like it's still not that close, right? Um, but uh, the, I, I was nerding out on these numbers uh, that the burn propelled the capsule towards an orbit around the moon that uh, reached just under 270,000 miles from Earth. So that's actually farther than any spacecraft designed for human spaceflight has ever flown. It actually breaks the record set during Apollo 13, obviously unintentionally during Apollo 13. But uh, this time we went that far on purpose and further. It's also the first time we visited the moon uh, in 50 years, right? And so this is all in preparation for uh, the major missions we have planned in the next couple of years, if all goes well. And right now there's no humans on this flight. These are crash test dummies. And they're making sure they're good for radiation and a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, should all that go according to plan, a mission with people could come as early as 2024, just uh, under two years away. And then a human landing could take place on the moon for the first time in over 50 years in 2025 or 2026. The last time humans walked on the moon, 1972. And this time we'll be bringing one of the goals here, Jill, is a, a person of color and a woman to walk on the moon for the first time. From USA Today, Biden pardons pair of Thanksgiving turkeys, chocolate and chip. The votes had been counted and the results are in. Chocolate and chip, the national Thanksgiving turkey and its alternate received a pardon. They can go wherever they want. And now, based on their temperament and commitment to being productive members of society, I hereby pardon. I hereby pardon. Yes. I hereby pardon chocolate and chip. President Biden says there was no ballot stuffing or foul play. Uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> chocolate and chip, who weigh 46 pounds and 47 pounds, respectively, will go on to reside at North Carolina State University. Jill, this is always one of my favorite stories to cover every year in the national news, even though it's the same story every year. Me too. Angle, I, I, right? think it's so, I think it's so fun. And they, they, they've really taken it up a notch. They give the turkeys like a luxury hotel room in D.C. They prepare like a room for them. It's like become a thing. And uh, we should keep in mind, they also like come up with these, you know, cute names. This year, chocolate chip. Last year, it was peanut butter and jelly. Um, and so then, as I do, I tried to look at the history of all of this, Jill. Um, and I was like, wait a second. I keep seeing in stories that this goes back to Abraham Lincoln. Like, what's the story there? So I was digging around, and apparently, again, reportedly, this was 160 plus years ago, Tad Lincoln, one of his sons, who was 10 years old at the time, loved animals and like had all these, like he had like pet ponies at the White House. You know, this is back in the day when like you could walk up into the White House as like a regular person. And so in the back, like Tad Lincoln, the, the 10-year-old, like kept all his animals. And apparently the Lincolns one year receive a turkey for Christmas dinner. And Tad begs Abraham Lincoln, like, not to kill it. 
hence the first pardon. And so Abraham was like, I gave it to Tad. He really loves the animal. And he like, let him keep the turkey. The modern tradition, though, started with the elder president Bush in 1989 with the official kind of cute names, DC, put them on a table, pardon. That started in 89. But the first pardon, allegedly, Abraham Lincoln. I love I, I totally agree with you. I love these traditions. I think that they're fun as as kind of silly and you can roll your eyes a little bit at them. I think it's nice to see the presidents, regardless of politics, in a little bit of a lighter moment. I, I always enjoy it. Yeah, there's like this. There's like the Easter egg roll in the spring. There's like a few like fun little White House <laughs> things that like, especially at a time where like we all hate each other's guts. You're like, can we just like enjoy things for like an hour? So my favorite, my absolute favorite was when um, former President Trump, it was it was a Halloween event yes. when he put the Halloween, he put like a full candy bar on the, somebody was a kid was dressed as a, a minion. minion. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of putting the, the candy bar in the kid's bag, he just yeah. put it on the kid's head and like. And you could see the reach guys. it in the little mini costume. <laughs> and it was one of those things where it's like, have you never trick-or-treated? Like, do you not know what, what goes on? It still makes me laugh when I watch it. Well, it, I thought it was funny. And like, obviously everything, especially with Trump, gets so political. And you're just like, <laughs> Melania was kind of laughing. And I was like, what? He's having fun with the kid. He's like, reach the chocolate bar on your head. Go for it. Okay, Mosh, that is a wrap for this Tuesday. Uh, shall you read us out? I will try my best. Uh, and uh, good luck <laughs> to all of you who are traveling uh, today and tomorrow. It is a huge travel week. So I hope we're keeping you company, uh, whether you're taking a train, a car, or a plane. A reminder, if you've gotten with us this far into the podcast, to follow or subscribe to the show on whatever app you're listening to us on. Uh, it will ensure you don't miss a single episode because today is a special double podcast day. We'll have a special interview for you later today looking at all things Republican Party with two conservatives looking at the state of the party, Congress, what's going to happen with Trump v. DeSantis, whole bunch of interesting conversations, many questions that you've been sending in answered. So uh, the bottom line here, subscribe to the podcast. You won't miss an episode. It'll automatically download. Also, take a moment to review us in the App Store. It'll ensure we continue to grow the podcast. We're grateful for you, thankful for you this time of year. And if you're thankful for the Mo News podcast, uh, a review goes a long way. So that would be amazing. Uh, and don't forget to follow me over on Instagram at Moshe at M-O-S-H-E-H. If you have made it this far in the podcast, thank you so much as we just ramble and ramble and go on. But Moshe and I are going to go over some of the things that we are thankful for tomorrow on the podcast, on our last podcast before Thanksgiving. If you want to share with us some of the things that you are thankful for this year, maybe we'll read some on the podcast. So send us an email, podcast at mo-news.com. No, no. It's that's not our pod, that's not our email podcast at mo.news. <laughs> <laughs> you can try mo-news.com. Ain't gonna work. Oh my god, Moshe, I am thankful for you for keeping me uh on the straight and narrow here. Podcast at mo.news. Yes, uh, we will go through the best submissions, uh, and Jill will reply to every single one of you in the email. <laughs> I'll, see, I'll see everyone back here tomorrow. Bye, everyone.